You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. We are digging into the listener mailbag today. Got a ton of Twitter questions, a ton of good ones to get to. We got to talk about Joe Brady, the firing of the Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator during their bye week. And I've got some statistical notes on some quarterbacks after week 13 as well on today's program. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. This episode brought to you in part by On Location. On Location is the official hospitality partner of the NFL, the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or just search Super Bowl On Location. Let's start with this story that is really a surprising one and kind of snuck through during the Panthers' bye week when we were, you know, previewing and recapping games from Week 13, Matt. And this was uh... well, they released it at like 1:20 Eastern on Sunday <laughs> when there's like eight games going on. Like that's a little strange. I didn't see this coming at all. Did you, no. Joe Brady? And he's been like one of the young star up-and-coming coaches in football, college or NFL, and getting head coach interviews. And you, you, you'd worried that the, uh, that the Carolina Panthers would lose him because he would go be a head coach somewhere, not fire him midseason. So Joe Brady, the LSU offensive coordinator, Carolina Panthers offensive coordinator, now jobless and fired by Matt Rule, the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. What was your takeaway with this story? Yeah, I, I mean... That LSU team was awesome. Chase and Jefferson and Edwards Alaire and Burrow, of course, and they steamrolled through the league. And of course, you know, all of us and you know the media in general, or as you said, were praising the, the Panthers. Wow, what a hire. They'll be lucky to keep them two years. This guy's gonna be, you know, the next Shanahan McVay, great young mind. And he wasn't even a coordinator at LSU. I think he was like the passing game coach or passing game coordinator, whatever. But and it hasn't worked out great in, in Carolina. Is this move really necessary, though? I mean, first off, for Brady, my hunch is either a contending team will hire him as a consultant for the rest of the way, or more likely, colleges are calling him like crazy right now. Either as a head guy, or maybe go be the uh, LSU offensive coordinator or USC or Oklahoma or mm-hmm. one of these big jobs that just changed or something like that. Who knows? But my thoughts from the Panthers perspective is this organization worries me a little bit. Like, do they just do big earth shattering things to do big earth shattering things? Like they've gone through three brand name quarterbacks in a year and a half, their first draft, we're not going to draft any offensive players. You know, we're going to trade for uh, the, the Henderson. We're going to sign Gilmore. We're, we're going to do big things. You know, like it's uh, they rock in the boat just to rock the boat. It's yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, they're making moves. They're making statements, but they're not mm-hmm. adding up to wins yet. And it looked like they were on that path and maybe that's part of it the disappointment of a team that thought they were going to be you know more like seven and five instead of five and seven after 12 games here um sure the the quote from rule on monday was 
when I took the job, I decided to be bold and step outside my comfort zone. I certainly don't look at that as a mistake. So he, he thought he was being, you know, um, a new school progressive head coach by hiring this young guy and this young minded coach. Um, but it sounds like maybe he wasn't running the football enough. The, the Panthers only ran the ball 39 times combined the last couple of games, only 18 rushes to the loss of the Miami Dolphins before the bye week. And, um, Rule after the October 17 loss to the Minnesota Vikings said he wanted to run the ball 30 to 33 times per game. So um, I think that is a big part of it. Um, there was real quick on that. Yeah. I mean, it just coincidentally, I did my completions plus rushing attempts. Mm. And, you know, because I, the Steelers were playing the Vikings this week. And I remember the Vikings were high on the list. So I, you know, redid the rate the numbers again so I could use it for that piece. Carolina's kind of in the middle of the league. They're 27.8 rushes per game. And not to defend Brady necessarily, but it'd be nice if Christian McCaffrey was healthy for more than three games at a time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean? The, it coincides with Christian McCaffrey not being there, that they're running the ball less. So that kind of makes some sense. Does the scoreboard allow you to sit there and run the ball? Are you going to beat your head into a, a wall and run it 33 times? That is something that coaches say a lot that drives me crazy. The game allows you to run. Like, you can run early, try to establish it. Sure. If you're behind, sure. it's going to be harder and harder to run the ball. You don't just get to 33 and say, yay, we win, you know? <laughs> exactly. I mean, there is some game script involved here. And without question, I mean, I don't think I'm breaking any news here. I'm sure this offseason, when they figured out how do they want to play offense, it's through Christian McCaffrey, you know, who's not there. Seeing every quarterback play bad is probably not good either. And so when you're getting right. bad quarterback play same thing. Yeah. and you're not running the ball, it's a I bad combination. Three um, brand-name quarterbacks and none of them played well. So Although Jeff, I will say that might have been Teddy's best year. Oh, I've got a note on Teddy Bridgewater. Good segue there. Okay. Uh, we'll get wow, to, how about we'll, that? We'll I get to that in that. a second. Um, but Jeff Nixon, the running backs coach, will replace Brady as the offensive coordinator, and Rule said he'd be a calming, steady influence. Um, he did say that Brady, who's 32 years old now, he was only 30 when he got that job, super young, he said he's done a good job moving us in the right direction, but this was something I felt from a football perspective had to be done. So he's going with his old buddy, who was his offensive coordinator, uh, Jeff Nixon, from the Baylor days, I believe. And he says, I hope this is the right move. It was purely football. This is the best interest of us moving forward. So it wasn't like personalities are clashing or anything with Joe Brady. He just thinks that there's a better way to call football games in the NFL. And Joe Brady uh, wasn't doing it the way he wanted. So yeah, okay. they made a move. New offensive coordinator. They've got uh, a lot of new pieces there. I don't think it's enough to salvage their season. Who knows? Are they going to start winning some games because they run the ball more? It's going to be interesting to find out. Uh, maybe... Um, who do they have coming up on the schedule, by the way, in week 14? The Panthers are... Where are the Panthers? Oh, they're hosting the Falcons, the 5-7 and seven Falcons. So it is a big uh, big game for, for playoff implications if, if they're trying to get back into this thing, although they've got to pretty much win out, I think, to get into the playoffs at this point. They got the Bucks twice, and they go to Buffalo. Yeah, maybe too late. Maybe <laughs> so too late. I, think, I, I don't love their chances of seeing the playoffs. So, so, yeah, that makes it even odder, huh? I, I guess, you know, during the bye week is a time you would make a move like that, but it's too yeah. late. It's too late to salvage it this it year. I, I bet he lands somewhere in the next week or two, though. Brady? Yeah. 
maybe one of those teams that the Panthers are playing against. <laughs> he gets yeah, some right. intel. Bucks or the Buccaneers, right. I can see that being a move where <laughs> Tom Brady's like, hey, let's sign Joe Brady. I'm on the edge of my seat with your Bridgewater note now. Okay, well, so let's let's go to Bridgewater because this okay. is an ongoing thing with Teddy B, and he's the ultimate game manager type of guy. And this was a note from Ben Albright on Twitter that I saw. Essentially, the Broncos have are a top five team in completion percentage on third downs this season. Yet, their second worst conversion rate on getting first downs on those third downs in the NFL. So top Ooh. five completion percentage, second worst in conversion rate on third downs, a disparity that is actually the worst in the league in 30 years. Wow. So... 30 years. That's that. What that's saying there is Teddy's throwing short of the sticks. Essentially. Over and over and over, over and over and over again. Like, a lot, yeah. And so completing them. You know, like, I'm going to dump it to the back that no one's covering on third and eight. Right. They come up and tackle in five yards. And you're still punting. Yeah, so yeah. It, was a, it was a pointless play. goes up, punt. Bridgewater wow. completes 65.6% of his third down passes, but only 31.8% of his third down dropbacks become a first down. Wow, Okay. And my hunch is they're in third and long a lot as well, but still, that is not a redeeming stat. And I mean, I don't know. Are they? Because they've got... I mean, they run the ball pretty well. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the strengths of their team. So it, it's just, it kind of goes to show that the, when you look at a QB rating, you're looking at a completion percentage, and you look at Teddy Bridgewater's statistics, and this has been throughout his career, and I assume this is uh, similar to what happened in Carolina, because Carolina was still a top 10, you know, was drafted in the top 10. Um it's not a it's not a winning brand of quarterbacking, but he's completing no. a lot of passes, so it looks better in the box score than it does in the final score at the end of the day. And so I think I think that's a pretty big deal when it comes to Teddy Bridgewater and why he is Teddy Two Gloves and why he is who he is and why he probably wouldn't be on my list of of starting quarterbacks of one of the thirty two next year. Nice solid backup quarterback, right. um, but you're not going to go out and win a lot of games playing like that in this day and age. Hundred percent. And here's my thoughts on that: is first of all, if it were Drew Locke in the game, I bet his would be the lowest completion percentage in the league. And the- <laughs> but past the sticks, right? You know, like exactly. The other options, the total opposite player. When I said Bridgewater at his best year, I didn't mean that as a compliment necessarily, because watching Panther tape last year, wow! Did DJ Moore and Anderson, especially Moore. They were open downfield, 20, 30, 40 yards downfield, and the ball never came out. You know, like that happened with too much regularity last year. And then I don't know if you know this, but Football Outsiders has a stat that they call Alex, and they named it after Alex Smith Mm -hmm. because he made it famous of dumping the ball off on, you know, in front of the sticks. So it's kind of like an uh, aggressiveness rankings. And Bridgewater is always one of the least aggressive. Yep, absolutely. So th- that's just his game, and you can play some complimentary football, run the ball well, and play good defense and still win some games like that, and that's exactly what we're seeing with the Broncos. And they're taking one step forward, one step back, but uh, they need more at quarterback, and that's what they're going to be shopping for this offseason, I guarantee you. 
Oh, yeah, without question. Because it's and not Teddy and it's not Drew Locke either for them. They, they, I think they've already decided it's not Drew Locke, which is surprising that they didn't go harder, say, in the draft or a different direction at quarterback, knowing that Locke wasn't the guy because they didn't really give Locke too much of a shot this year. And if you knew it wasn't Locke, you thought Teddy Bridgewater was going to be the answer? That's kind of odd, right? In hindsight? I thought there was yeah. going to be more of a Locke, like, okay, Teddy Bridgewater, eh, let's go with Locke for a while again and, and maybe – go to Teddy Bridgewater if we have to. But they thought that either Locke or Bridgewater, but it seems like they already knew Locke because he didn't get much of a shot, wasn't going to be the guy. So, I don't know. Anyway, there's uh, big questions with these two teams specifically and uh, the NFL draft specifically picks eight and nine, those Carolina Panthers and Denver Broncos. It's It might sting for a while for fans of these two specific franchises passing on some of the, the quarterbacks in the 2021 draft because this 2022 class doesn't look as good. Right, and what's interesting about these teams is, first off, Bridgewater went from one to the other, and <laughs> right. you know, and proved to be the same guy. He didn't change, you know, he didn't turn into John Elway just because he went to Mauhaus Stadium. And both these teams could have taken Fields or Mac and didn't. And I, I really bet both these owners in front office at draft time thought that they had a very good chance at Rodgers in Denver and Watson in Carolina. For this season or just at some point? Both. Both are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, all those Denver rumors were like, boy, he's going to Denver on draft day. And even when they took Sertain and they had all those corners, I thought, is Sertain going to end up a Packer? And the Packers took a corner. You know, it didn't work that, out that way. But that did make sense. I wonder sense. what really happened. Yeah, that did make sense for Sertain to go to Green Bay. And maybe there was some talk, and, and we're not privy to those conversations. I wonder. Mm-hmm. I would like to know that. That's and a good point. Pa- and the Panthers had Darnold, and obviously that didn't work out. But, you know, they, they did something at least. And the Panthers were in on the Watson conversations. It was Panthers in, in Miami, right? Have to be. I mean, yeah considering his Clemson legend, and this is before any of the allegations came out, that seems like the prize for the Panthers. Oh, absolutely. All right, I actually have a couple of Week 13 quarterback notes to get to and your Twitter questions coming up on this Wednesday episode of Peacock and Williamson. You might listen to podcasts for the power of the inside track. You might switch to our friends at Boost Mobile, for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to the latest episodes and keep up with your favorite players and teams. The power of three unlimited data lines for only $30 a month per line so your family can share all the insights. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. G. I don't think I'm even on the speed of 5G right now. Maybe I, it's time to switch to Boost Mobile and find out what that's all about. With all the money you'll save and all that edge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save Boost Mobile Free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers and coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi is less than 100 days away and on location. The official hospitality partner of the NFL is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. 
Who's it going to be? All LA? Rams? Chargers, maybe? Brady versus Belichick? Is your team going to be in the big game? You can get tickets and an entire package, exact seats to choose from, an elite experience package featuring exclusive pregame celebrations with NFL legends, five-star LA hotels, and food by the great Wolf King Puck. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. That's onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or just search Super Bowl on location. So Matt, on one end of the spectrum, you have Teddy Bridgewater, who is um, the check down Charlie of the current NFL. On the other end of that spectrum is Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert's, this is from Next Gen Stats, Justin Herbert's 44-yard touchdown pass to Jalen Guyton last week traveled 61.2 yards in the air. The second longest completion by air yards this season. Herbert now has nine completions that have traveled 55-plus yards in the air since 2020, two more than the next closest quarterback. It does not say who the next closest quarterback is, unfortunately. Uh, Herbert was... Third in air yards per completion, 7.6, and second in air yards per attempt, 10.2. In week 13, he completed passes plus 10.9% over expectation, and Herbert is averaging 5.6 air yards per completion, which is middle of the pack, and 7.3 air yards per attempt, tied for eighth lowest this season. So, remember when we covered this game, and we said, ah, it seemed like, you know, this was nice to see Justin Herbert get a chance to air it out. He's been throwing the ball too short recently. That's exactly what this stat is telling us right here. And he's really good at doing it. So, Chargers, keep chucking it deep with Justin Herbert. best long, Maybe the best deep ball thrower in the league right now. And that's including uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and Josh Allen. Great stuff there. And you're 100% right. And, and first of all, I'm almost positive next-gen stats if you throw it from the 10 to the 40, it's not always 30 yards. You know, if you throw a deep out to the to the sideline from the, the far hash, it's going to be further. It's actually how far the ball actually travels on the field. You know, like, so if you're throwing the width of the field, it's going to be longer. Does that make sense? It's not yes. just from this yard line to this yard line. It's actually how 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 the bird flies. You know what I mean? Um which totally makes sense. Which and, is different than average depth of target, which is just factoring out right. what yard line you're throwing to and from. Right. right? Yeah. Tyreek's 50 yards downfield, so it's a 50-yard throw. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Um, so I did tons and tons of Chargers homework because the Steelers played them a couple weeks ago. And it was maddening. I mean, that was a couple weeks ago. And it was the exact Drew Brees end-of-career Saints offense that Lombardi brought over with from New, from New Orleans. I mean, everything was... Quick hitters, quick game, get it out fast, Keenan Allen, Eckler. And it's maddening considering who the passer was because even then his stats downfield were awesome. And I, I often mention, you know, young coaches. And I give Staley a lot of credit because he's ultimately the one in charge here that they've made two big adjustments just the last couple of weeks. It gives me a lot of hope for the Chargers. Is first of all, they're throwing the ball more downfield, which totally adds up with their quarterback and probably coincides with Mike Williams getting healthier, too, to their credit. You know, I mean, he was on a bulky knee for a while there, too, and he's the downfield threat because they don't really have a burner. I mean, they don't have a Deshaun Jackson. They don't have a 4-3-40 type of guy. 
but they also changed some things on defense. I mean, Staley's defense is this one that's sweeping the country about, you know, cover two, cover four, don't load the box, dare people to run. Well, that's great with Aaron Donald. It's not great with Jerry Tillery as your best defensive tackle. So the past week or so, they've actually stacked the box against the run. So two of the big complaints I had with this team, they looked like they have addressed them immediately, and I'm impressed by that. Yes, and that's a sign of a good head coach, right? Right, adjust. One more, and this this is a little bit closer to the the uh, Teddy Bridgewater side of things, and we've talked a lot about Tua, and here's another one talking about his success on short passes. Tua continued his recent success on short passes, which are which are zero to nine air yards, completing 21 of 25 throws for 152 yards and two touchdowns in week 13. Since week 11, Tua is 55 of 61. That's only six incompletions on uh, anything under 10 yards, 10 air yards for 427 yards and four touchdown passes. Uh, The Dolphins have utilized Tua's mobility in the red zone this season, calling a design rollout on a league-high 28% of his red zone dropbacks. He's thrown a touchdown on a design rollout in back-to-back games in five total this season, which is tied for most in the NFL. So Tua's starting to play to his strength, and Miami's starting to understand what his strengths are and call plays to him, and it's working. It really is. And we we talked a little bit of Tua yesterday, and clearly he deserves credit. Listen to yesterday's show if you want to get thoughts on him as a player and his progressions, and he is he is improving quickly. That's no, no question about that. Kind of like the Chargers conversation, I'm glad that they are uh, throwing the waddle downfield more than just, you know, he used to, he's always been targeted a lot, but it was always a yard or two by half line of scrimmage. Now they're stretching his route tree a little bit, which is great. Um, unfortunately for the Dolphins, I think that, you know, that they started one and seven. You know, like if I were to power rank the AFC – I'd have Miami ahead of Cleveland, Pittsburgh, Denver, the Raiders, Tennessee even right now. I mean, but I don't think they have a chance really to get to the postseason. They almost have to run the table. Some, yeah, some teams definitely got started a little bit too late. And uh, Miami might be one of those. Uh, the Panthers, Colts. yeah, the Colts, the Panthers, even though, you know, even if they get things turned around here, have a tough schedule, they probably too little too late. If even if, let's say, firing Joe Brady was the thing that was holding them down and the new offensive coordinator, Jeff Nixon, gets it going for them. They're, they're starting to, you're starting to see some teams that now that we're getting closer, even though things are kind of muddy for those playoff pictures, there are some teams that definitely are maybe a little bit too far out to be. Uh, to be able to get in there. But as we know, wacky things happen. So one of those unexpected teams, I think, will have the opportunity to sneak in. Um, but they've got to they've got to win out. I think a lot of those teams do. Yeah. I mean, they're six and seven going into their bye. And there's what? There's one, two, three, six and six teams, which is better. There's a six, five and one team. And then there's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight teams with seven wins or more in the AFC. So, I mean, that's just a lot of people to jump. JDS wants to know who is MVP at this point. And Anthony says, is Tom Brady really the MVP, which is what we said this week. I hear that around and I just don't see it. Is it that there's real no standout quarterbacks this year? I feel like a case can be made for Rodgers. Kyler missed games, and they win still. Tampa Bay offense is stacked, and any signature wins? Question mark. Taylor, but running back uh, Lamar 
has been bad lately. So that's Anthony's breakdown of who he thinks. So he's kind of leaning towards Rodgers. And that's what I said. I said it's Tom or, or Aaron Rodgers. And a good argument for Rodgers, seeing them with and without, I think it's worse argument for um, the Cardinals and Kyler Murray when you see them with and without. And Kyler just hasn't yeah. played enough games to put up the stats for it probably this year. And even a team like the Seahawks, they haven't really looked great with Russell Wilson either. <laughs> and they've looked okay at times with with um, Geno Smith. So, you know, it's not like, um, it's not like any of those players – really stack up I think Jonathan Taylor is the only guy in the conversation with Tom and Aaron at this point and I would be fine with Jonathan Taylor winning MVP too I mean he's been yeah, a monster uh, it's a good conversation I mean like I thought there would be a chance if you asked me this two weeks ago I said well maybe Mahomes or Josh Allen just catches fire they end up with the one seed in the AFC and they have a strong case well that hasn't happened and I don't know if there's enough time for that to happen um, along the, the Taylor lines yeah, I wonder if they would have to get into the postseason to make that really a legitimate vote. I mean, could you could you vote for a running back on a non-playoff team for MVP? I don't know. I mean, if Derrick Henry would have stayed healthy and Tennessee gets a one or two seed or whatever, I thought he had a case in a weird year for quarterbacks. I don't think Kyler's out of it, especially if they end up with the one seed, but he has missed too much time. I, I don't know how you could go away from Rodgers or Brady. And when it's all said and done, if I had the bet right now, and I don't know what the odds are, I would bet Brady gets it. I'm not sure it's saying that'd be my vote, but I bet he gets it. I think it would be one Brady, two Rodgers, three Taylor. I, I think that I, yeah. I think Anthony nailed the right names. I think that would be the order right now if it was voted on today. But I do think second half of the season factors more than first half of the season. So Let's see who's hot, and let's see who wins a bunch of games, and and where those seedings end up. Uh, it feels like you know with quarterbacks, it's going to be one of those NFC quarterbacks. I hesitate to bring this up because I would not vote this direction either. But just this week, I've seen a little bit of people talking about TJ Watt because he has 16 sacks and has missed two games. I mean, I don't, defensive players don't win it. But it's just a weird year for MVP. I just wanted to throw out, is there any weird tight end defensive player, you know, non-quarterback and, you know, even non-running back? And I, I'm not condoning that, but I'm just throwing it out there because I've heard it a lot this week. By no means is TJ Walker winning the MVP. I like that. I like that for an out-of-the-box thought. And look, defensive player of the year, I don't know how you can't vote for TJ Watt at this point. Right. And, and sort of like the Aaron Rodgers thing, you see the Steelers' defense with and without him, too. Like How, oh, how it's good like was that, he yeah. last week against Lamar and and the Baltimore Ravens and the stats he's putting up? I mean, he's just dominant right now. I mean, he's got to be got to be the, the, the deep front runner for player or defensive player of the year. And it's almost like impossible, but you should be considered for MVP. It's not an offensive award, right? Right. I mean, they would have to probably get in the postseason, too. I don't know if that's going to happen. But he could be – he could set the sack, rec sack record and miss two games while he did it. You yeah. Know? Actually, that, it was more like two and a half. That know? would be pretty amazing. Yeah. How about how about a super dark horse that's definitely not going to win it? But if you're just looking at what people are doing right now in the league statistically, what about somebody like Cooper Cup, who's just putting up it's 100 yards yeah. every single week? I mean, the dude is, is ridiculous right now. Uh, he's on pace for – like almost 2,000 yards receiving this year. Right. It's crazy. Just every I week, mean, he's 100 yards. So like he, he's, it's amazing what he's doing right now. I was about to say he would be the clear-cut wide receiver 
But Justin Jefferson's been pretty crazy, too. Right, and if Debo Samuel didn't get hurt, what he's doing, because he's up there with total yards on those guys, what he's doing running and receiving, and he's over 1,000 yards, too. And, um, yeah, Devontae Adams creeping back up there, doing big things now with Aaron Rodgers. But, yeah, it's Tom Brady. Tom Brady leads the league in passing yards. Yeah, they're playing well again. Um, Yeah, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is probably the biggest competition. Actually, you know, it might be Jonathan Taylor to Rodgers three because Rodgers numbers aren't quite there but no, man right, I think right. it really for me it just when you see the Packers with and without Rodgers I think that's a pretty big deal I 100% agree I'm not gonna write Kyler off but I think he missed three games which is a lot you know I mean I still think he could light the world on fire win you your fantasy leagues this this next month or so and maybe that's enough to get him in but that's kind of a dark horse I've said this a million times. I'm not going to harp on it, but MVP should is always a quarterback. We know that, but offensive player of the year should always not be a quarterback. They, yeah, it's, it's basically they need to put some asterisk in there with with uh, what the awards are, just so we you know, like here's a quarterback award, here's a non quarterback award, so we can stop pretending that it is or is not. Right, right. I mean, it's just not fair to the Taylors and Derrick Henrys of the world that are. You know, superstars and putting up crazy numbers and deserve some sort of award. When it, um, hold on, one, one note really quick. When it comes to the quarterbacks, Rodgers is 12th in the league in passing yards. Kyler Murray's 25th in the league in passing yards. I know there's a lot yeah, of rushing wow. yards on top of it with Kyler Murray, but there's not enough to, to, to bridge that gap, and Tom Brady's out in front. How about Derek Carr for what he's done and keeping the Raiders afloat? I, think, I don't think he'll get the award, but sure. um, it's on Aaron Rodgers' level of, man, they've missed a lot of stuff this year, and they're still winning games and still, you know, it's admirable what they're doing, and Derek Carr's second in the league in passing yards right now. So. Is he really number two? Yeah, wow. he's number two. Stafford's three, Herbert four, Mahomes five. Um, last thing along this conversation for me is, um, yes, Watt is running away with defensive MVP, but Miles Garrett just had a bye. He still has a shot. I mean, they were neck and neck in sacks and dominance. But one player that will never put up the numbers that I just wanted to just call out, Derwin James is – back to say the least like he would be maybe my second or third vote for defensive mvp i just want people to realize how good and dominant and freaky he is all right i've got one more stat actually i want to get to matt and a few more twitter questions we'll finish up this episode of peacock and williamson in life we're bound for different things and with beachbound.com vacations you can be bound for whatever you want adventure Bound for passion, bound for discovery, or bound for togetherness, immersion, maybe some rejuvenation is what you need in your life. Maybe some unexpected is what you want to encounter. Go to beachbound.com vacations and encounter and be bound for whatever it is that you are looking for, whatever you need to take a vacation from in your life. Personally, when I'm at a beach resort, it's all about toes in the water. I don't care about getting too deep in the water, although surfing was really fun, and uh, that's something I want to go do again, taking surf lessons. and uh, I got beat up by some waves a, a couple times trying to surf, but that, that's fun, and it kicked my butt, but it was amazing. It was an amazing feeling, and um, always a margarita in the hand is, is, is key. So a cocktail in one hand, some toes in the water, a taco flight, is always fantastic. Uh, food and beverage, it, it's it's necessary. It's necessary. Just no work, right? As long as I've got a good view and a good drink, I'll be happy. With Beachbound.com, you can find the perfect beach vacation for you, no matter what you are looking for. 
What are you bound for? Visit beachbound.com today. How about this one, Matt? The best records against the spread in the NFL this year. And some of them are not surprising at all. They're just good teams. But there's an interesting team on here. So number one is the Packers. They're 10-2 and two against the spread this year. Number two is the Cardinals. They're 9-3. and three. They're tied with the Cowboys, both 9-3. and three. Uh, Cardinals make sense just because, you know, everyone, no one saw them being a dominant team. People right. thought they were and a so, good team and they turned into a dominant team. And then nobody saw them winning, as, doing as well with the Colt McCoy right, 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 team, you know. So um, the Cowboys the is surprising are. to me, actually, just because I guess early in the season, yeah, but people expected them to be good after a while. So they're still, that means they're beating teams that they're supposed to beat by a lot, right? Yeah. First off, the Packers are perennially underrated, and I'm uh, guilty of that too. The Cowboys are shocking because there are some fan bases out there, and I'm not a betting expert, that I think get a half point less or a point less because everyone wants to bet on their Cowboys. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, like big fan bases could come in right, and, right. and bet on their team quite a bit, and the Cowboys are definitely one of those. Yeah. Um, I've got the top six here. Sixth is the Indianapolis Colts at eight and five. Okay. Started slow, and yeah. now it's starting to beat people badly. Right, sort of started throwing change up to the betters because you thought they were bad, and then they started winning a bunch of games, and so I could see that one for sure. But the teams that are tied at four, I passed over. And one is the Patriots at eight and four, which is not surprising mm. at all. No. And that, that's the least surprising on the list, in fact, because of how what you know what they thought they were going to be, and they actually started the season with a loss, and uh, they've been playing really well with the rookie quarterback. Tied with the Patriots at eight and four against the spread, though, is... The Detroit Lions, Matt, eight and four. Ah! Detroit Lions against the spread. That that was what I was getting to. I was slow playing to that. That's uh, and it's something that we had talked about this week, and that's why we picked the Lions and their first win of the season. So anyway, that makes me smile. Yeah. I, I don't know if people remember this, but back in week one, when I did dumb things like pick the Jaguars and Eliminator, so it's not like <laughs> I'm some savant here. I said one of my themes for the year in betting is I'm going to take the Texans and especially the lions time and time again, because they're going to have huge spreads and they're not as dreadful as you think. Well, the Texans are as dreadful. As the you Texans think, are the dreadful aren't. and yeah. it feels like the Texans are getting worse, but the lions are getting better yeah. and the lions have hung on to so many games. that I didn't think they would be able to keep it up and keep that edge and keep uh, fighting through all the losses. And they have, so it's a huge credit to Dan Campbell, their head coach. Oh, without question. I mean, they're, they're not, Awful. I mean, I'm sitting here looking at um, point differential. There's a handful of teams that are worse, and the Lions started terrible in that regard. I mean, so uh, I think, agree or disagree, this was a successful year for the Lions. Yes. Yeah. I saw somebody, I think it was our own Matt Derry, who's the host of Locked on Lions, tweet out that he thought the the one win was enough to save Dan Campbell's job that if he was an over season they would have no choice but to fire him and I thought man I disagree even before the win I was kind of impressed by the way they played because the Lions I guess in the Texans you would put the Lions and Texans together have by far the worst rosters in the NFL rosters, yeah. even like if you look at a team like the Jaguars Jaguars the Lions would kill to have the Jaguars roster right Oh yeah, you give him Trevor Lawrence and some you know some early pick playmakers that they've had lately. Absolutely, and some the Lions have an defense. offensive line. That's what they have. That's true. The Lions do have an offensive line, which is one of the things that can help you. And they've got a good running back, and yeah, so they they've been able to sort of you know slow things down, keep scores pretty low, which is what you're going to have to do if you if you want to win some games and you're a bad football team. But I, don't know. I thought that was interesting. I want to go to Brian here, who says, "Hold on, one second. Okay. I apologize. That's all right." It, 
Steeler Nation lost their mind when Pittsburgh and the Lions tied. That was four four games ago for Detroit. But starting with that game, Detroit's played at Steelers, at Browns, hosted the Bears, hosted the Vikings, two division games. They're 1-2-1 and one in that stretch with a minus three point differential. I mean, all those games were super wow. close. I mean, yeah. that's a four-game stretch. That's I mean, a hell that's of a stretch. Impressive. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That makes that actually looks even that's even more impressive than the uh, uh, than the the covering. I think. Right. I mean, they're not bad. And by the way, this season has been really difficult. As much parity as I can remember in picking games, I don't think our record overall is great. Matt doing picks. I think we were definitely better last year when we were going head to head with our guy Chris Raybon of the Action Network. <clears throat> And uh, Mr. Controversy, who was doing our picks all year long, I think he stopped paying attention at some point. But <laughs> I wish he would have it, yeah. tallied last week's at least because I, I, we got back on the on track last week. We we're really good. <laughs> Brian says at Williamson NFL at BD Peacock, there was a stat brought up in the national media about the Saints opponents over the last four years being the least penalized during games. As a Saints fan and seeing those games, more than half of those penalties are terrible calls or not called. Um, I don't like these conversations at all and I've, I've had this conversation on Locked On 49ers a lot because some fans were really mad about non-calls and bad calls in the 49ers Seahawks game but I had to remind them that how bad of a look it was Mike Zimmer went on the podium after the 49ers Vikings game and complained that the refs weren't calling holding on the 49ers offensive linemen and it was such a bad look and we made fun of Mike Zimmer on the show about it you don't want to be Come that guy and I right. officiating is really hard in the NFL and in a lot of cases yes it is bad but no the league doesn't hate your team no the league's not purposely making bad calls against your team I think every team that loses a game looks can find some bad calls during that football game you have to know it's there you have to not you have to not make the game close enough that one bad call from a ref is going to is going to change the game for you and for the outcome so yeah, I, 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 I just I hate these conversations. And it, yes, there's bad calls. It's imperfect, but the league doesn't hate your team. It's not just your team. Every fan base feels like that after every single loss. Hundred percent. I mean, the league wants close games, and we're in parity, and therefore a, a bad call is exacerbated it's under a microscope more because there's a lot of close games no one cares about the bad call when you're winning 40 to nothing you know or losing 40 to nothing and i hate these conversations too i mean it's not personal it's not something against the saints i mean there are some teams that get more penalties called because one their offensive line stinks and they hold like crazy or they play a ton of man coverage and are very grabby downfield you know so you get the 60 yard pass interference calls Uh But that's because of the way you choose to build your team or coach. Um, I don't in any way think, boy, it's personal. The the Saints opponents are the least penalized because nobody likes the Saints. And even though I could see the Saints fan base going, did you see how we were eliminated in the playoffs the last two times we were in? You know, like that had to hurt. Zachary says it's time for the Jaguars, Texans, Lions to start fresh. Get rid of coaches, change cities, and get new quarterbacks. Change Even cities. change cities. I, I wanted to read that tweet because I thought it was funny that they just can't stay in the same city. They're so bad. They got to move. Um, I disagree about the Lions. We just talked about that one. Jaguars, I would not get rid of the quarterback there. 
but I would look at the coaching situation. And if I'm, I mean, Shad Khan can't get it right in, in Jacksonville. So maybe it does need to change cities and ownership there. Cause there's something continuing to go wrong with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, Texans need to change a lot, but yeah, change cities might be a little bit strong for all of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Detroit hasn't been good in my lifetime. So that, you know, I mean, we're praising them for being one, two, and one in the last four games. But how about the last forty years? That's true. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know true. what I mean, <laughs> Mike. That, yeah, there is um, there is definitely a curve that we're grading the Lions on right now. And, and we're like right. super impressed by this team that's won one game this year. Um, and they, they haven't done anything for 40 years. No, that's a great point. Maybe, yeah. Uh, you could, I mean, ownership's a big part of these things. Oh, it's massive. It absolutely it's absolutely is. huge. And brings me to Jacksonville. They're not much better. They've had a couple highlights here and there. They went to the playoffs, what, a couple of years ago. But really for a good 15, since Mark Brunel, they've had like one good year and always picking the top. And I know Houston's like bottom of the barrel right now and this Watson stuff and the way that the the last, you know, um, coaching staff and trades have gone. But before that, nobody looked at Houston that way. They went to the playoffs like every year with Bill O'Brien. Like they don't have the, the yeah. body of work to be moving out of town yet. Yeah, and for the Texans, they just need some distance from the year 2021. The, cal- the entire calendar year needs to be in the rear right. view a bit and they're going to be okay Hopefully. Yeah. I mean, they used to be the Matt Schaub and Fitzpatrick that win eight or nine games with J.J. Watt and Andre Johnson and get in the playoffs and lose. You know, yeah, how great does so the <laughs> how great does the Bill O'Brien era look now compared right, to what's right. happening currently? Um, you exactly. know, obviously Watson and the off field stuff, and it just all gets exacerbated in a bad roster. So it'll take some sure. time, but you got to rebuild that one. Um, the, the, I don't want to answer this question, but this is from Gregory talking about Tom Brady. He says, "What's up, family?" Who's going to bet against Brady this year? Start your bets and complaints now or forever hold them. So, yeah, he thinks it's inevitable. Brady's going back and winning another chip. Um, Feels like it. Yeah, it's kind of the way it's going. Yeah. How about this one for me? All right, we got to get going here, but uh, some quick ones. How about this one from Anthony? How do you explain that no New York Giants wide receiver or running back has scored since October? That is just mind-blowing to me and clearly can't be all due to Garrett and the injuries. And by the way, we didn't talk much about Garrett. We did mention it on the show, but uh, Jason Garrett, uh, Joe Brady was the first offense coordinator fired this year. Jason Garrett is one, and um, Gettleman looks like he's on the way out, and I think Joe Judge is probably going to be on the way out too as well. So that's all going to start over. I have no answers for you. I mean, bad coach, bad quarterback situation in New York. Uh, Yeah, it's all bad. Bad line. Yeah, bad. I mean, they have good skill, guys. That's a mind-blowing stat, though. Like. I'd have to go look. Is that true? I mean, the Giants have <laughs> scored to touchdowns since October, and but none of the receivers or running backs have. Like, I mean, I guess it's possible. Yeah, I'm not that is uh, that that is pretty extreme. That is that is amazing. If if true, that's hard to do. It is hard to do. I mean, that's insane. All right, Michael, can we help Michael out here? He needs some fantasy football help. Listen to you guys all the time in PPR. For the next two weeks, who is a good desperation wide receiver three? Some of the names available. Uh. Kadarius Tony, speaking of those New York Giants, AJ Green, Traquan, Rondale, Sammy, Bateman, Allen Robinson, Gabriel Davis. That's actually Tony's my favorite. For this time Tony's of year, that's not a bad group to be choosing from. Um I just Off picked, the waiver wire, right. Right. I just picked up Rondale Moore, and I think maybe one or two of those names is available, period, in my league. Um and I thought Rondale Moore is a nice little pickup. Looking at who's on the schedule this week for the Cardinals. Um, Kadarius Toney, 
I like, but I hate what's going on with the New York Giants right now. Rashad Bateman, I like, but is there enough targets going his way? I would pass on Sammy. I would pass on um, A.J. Green. Allen Robinson should be the name that you would say that's easy, but, man, he's done nothing, and he's been hurt. hasn't been on the field recently. So, yeah, it's tough, but I would lean toward the young guys and hope for a really big game with a big catch-and-run touchdown from Tony or Rondale Moore. Yeah, it's a good call. Tony's my favorite. Um, I spent a ton on him after his breakout game, like all my fab money. And he's been very frustrating because he's hurt. And, but I mean, they have him throw passes. They throw him a ton of balls. They love him. I think that day's coming, but maybe it'll be next year. But uh, Tony would be my favorite, but I don't know what his current health situation is. He hasn't played in a couple weeks. I would also consider Allen Robinson. I know it's been miserable, but at least there's a body of work there. I mean, I'd take him over AJ Green. Right. Gabriel Davis is not a terrible option either. Uh, weather. Yeah. yeah, check the check the weather. Maybe. But, yeah. I don't know. That's actually not bad to choose from, though, at this point. In some fantasy leagues, there's not a lot available. And uh, a lot of buys in Week 14, the last regular season week. I, I don't like this at all. I, I do not like this week in fantasy football. And Jonathan Taylor, no, he's your MVP of your fantasy football season. And if you have Jonathan Taylor, you're trying to get in the playoffs or trying to get seeding, and he's not playing for you this week. That's tough. And there's a couple dumb leagues that have the playoffs start this week. Right. Oh, gosh, that is even worse. Didn't adjust the 18-game schedule or 17-game schedule. Yeah, right? they kept the old schedule. What? Right. That's a wrap. We've huh? got a lot of good questions here that we didn't get to. We've talked about this one before. Jimmy G, future Steelers bridge quarterback. I think, yes, that is guaranteed to happen. I think he's a Texan. I like that call. By yeah, him. I like Texas. I don't know. He'll, he'll be somewhere. He's the, he's the last one. There's going to be uh, two quarterbacks in one chair, and he'll get it, and some other quarterbacks will be backups. No offense to your boy Jimmy G, but if you gave me the, uh, uh, the genie comes out of the bottle and says – you can have Jimmy next year or door number two. I'm going to take door number two. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. Well, uh, you might be able to get both. We don't have time for right. this, but you go Jimmy, I can do Jimmy and with a rookie. Right. But I that's can't do Jimmy uh, that's and the formula. That's the formula. Yeah. It's Jimmy and a rookie. And we've already seen that this year. Uh, and so that's his future. Yeah. I like Russ. I like Russ in Pittsburgh. The more I think about it, oh, I think Russ yeah. going to end up with the New York giants. Maybe though, and they'll throw some touchdowns to their running backs and, Wide receivers, man. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Right, we got to get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks all for right. all the questions. Apologies to those we did not get to you. Back tomorrow, starting to take a peek at the Week 14 NFL schedule right here. Peacock and Williamson.